Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Advocacy Channel, a customer marketing podcast presented by Sasquatch. I'm your host, Will Fraser, and this is episode 10. In today's episode, I'm thrilled to have Pablo Fernandez join us. As the product manager and head of consulting services for customer advocacy at wings for You, Pablo is a tactical expert in the space of customer advocacy programs. Listen today as Pablo and I discuss how to identify when someone is ready to join your advocacy program, how to measure the impact and success of your program, and much more. Enjoy the show. Hey, Pablo, thank you very much for, for joining us on the show today. Thank you. My pleasure to be here. You know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Uh, obviously, this is a topic that's near and dear to, to my heart. But before we get into it, I was hoping that you could just help our audience just, just know a little bit more about your business, about Wings for You, if you could give us a, a quick overview. I think that'd help everyone a lot. Yes, for sure. So um, Wings for You, just to start with that, this is a company, it's a marketing agency that's been around uh, working with uh, big customers like Microsoft, Twitter, and, uh, and Riverbed and big names like that. Uh, I would say lots of IT companies, but not only IT companies in this tech-based uh, enterprises. But um, And we've been doing um, customer advocacy and customer evidence programs, right, for over 10 years. So that's the, the, the core, let's say, business mm-hmm. of uh, Wings for You. And you're talking about kind of these, some of these bigger brands. Um, do you find yourself working with some smaller brands as well, or is it primarily kind of those big enterprises that you, you work with? No, we, we have a, a fair mix of those. So right, right now, any company that has ambition to go global, right? And, mm. and has, uh, you know, customers also everywhere that are selling solutions. Those are right now our best fit. Let's say the, the kind of customers that we are highly specialized, uh, as I say, tech based companies. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the size from ranging from hundreds to thousands of hundreds, let's say. And and just we out of curiosity, variety. Yeah, yeah. Just out of curiosity, do do you find kind of like um, the big company, the bigger companies have uh, very specific needs that the smaller companies don't, or or is it a very similar kind of needs uh, across that that entire uh, range? Yeah, so that's an interesting question. I do think that those are different needs. Uh, usually. Uh, but not always, right? That, again, that depends on the kind of product and the kind of market segment that that company is focused in. We've seen and we've been working with companies that are small, mm-hmm. but they have a strong B2B um, you know, play inside, meaning that they have account managers, they have you know, a sales team that spread across different countries, and they are uh, attending customers in different continents, right? Uh, in those cases, um, I think, it, it doesn't change too much. I mean, the kind of needs of this company has is very similar to company IBM sized, let's say, right? And, you know, Telefonica, those, mm-hmm. those kind of big companies that even though might sound sometimes they are B2C, like Telefonica, you know, they have also a strong and big, like say, uh, um, B2B play inside that as well. So, yeah. So the, the needs are different, right? So just to, to keep, Maybe exploring a little bit more about this topic. The, the smaller companies that are there, there are, are not fitting this description that I just gave you. Uh, they are using maybe playing and working with uh, consumers directly, right? Mm. Or the SMB segment is strong for them. 
uh, usually the kind of programs and the kind of assistance, right? The, the kind of, uh, uh, program they will build is more, um, focus on communities, right? Community right. building, uh, forums online, make, make, uh, create ways to incent, incentive, let's say behavior, right? And drive behavior of those consumers to help each other. And of course, uh, provide referrals, right? Um, um, to other, uh, prospects and, and basically a lot of automation is necessary, mm -hmm. uh, to run this kind of program. And when you are talking about a B2B and those enterprises, it doesn't matter the, the size of the company necessarily. Um, the kind of play is something that I call, we call it wings for you a lot as managed kind of advocates play, mm. right? Meaning that you have uh, a role. It's a uh, reference manager, advocacy manager, depending on what you're doing with your program, you can call it differently, yeah. but you have this role, right? That will uh, drive the initiatives with specific advocates and with less automation, right? You know, and I, and I think that's a really nice delineation you have there, right? That we have these more, more programs that are, are, are automation centric and, and ones that are, are more managed. And, and I do see that there's, there's actually room for some companies to run both. It might be a Telefonica where they actually have both markets, or it might be a business where you, you have some actions that make sense to be fully automated and some that are, are more to be managed. But, but I think it's a nice delineation. Um, I think before we, before we go in, I got, I got a bunch of questions, uh, to ask you based on that. But before we go further, I'd love to just kind of get your sense of what is a customer advocacy program? Because I've yet to get the same answer twice. And I'm always curious about what, what you see kind of is a customer advocacy program. That's, that's a very inter interesting question for sure. And, um, even though I will give you my, I, I'm not saying, I'm not claiming that is the only definition for that, right? right. And again, uh, I think that the best advocacy program, first of all, it's the one that makes sense to the organization, right? That's running that. It's not one thing fit at all sizes, right? And, um, and it really needs to see the specific case. But for me, first of all, an advocacy, uh, customer advocacy is, I would define as a sales and marketing strategy that, uh, Leverage the positive voice of the customer to influence buying decisions. I'll mm -hmm. say that again, right? S sales and marketing strategy that will leverage the positive voice of the customer to influence buying decisions, right? That is one of the, you know, if you have this as one of the definition for customer advocacy and, uh, you can have, you, you will have a specific kind of program, of course, right? That's more B2B and, and but, but, uh, but it all, it would also feed the community side of it. But, um, when you go to customer advocacy program, it's a way to do that systematically and intentionally and then with a mm. measurable, you know, results in a measurable ways to see how, you know, that all, all of the, the investments that you are doing towards creating a network of advocates is returning to your company. In terms of, it could be anything, right? Usually we're talking about revenue uh, at the end of the game, right? Everything you are doing, it could be translated to revenue and it should, why not? No? Yeah. You know, I really like your definition there. I think that I've seen people um, really con confuse uh, community and advocacy. I, I think I've seen yeah. people look at advocacy um I don't know, uh, just they separated a little bit further from that. It is using the voice of the customer, as you said, to to drive a buying decision. And that also frees up what it can be, right? It doesn't have to be uh, 
any one specific program, you know, you really have that, that flexibility. And I think that's the power of customer advocacy. You know, we, we can have programs that, that drive it, but we also kind of have dark advocacy, if you want to call it that, which is like the untracked advocacy that exists in the world. But if you stimulate either of those and they drive to a buying decision, then I I would agree with your definition that that is a, uh, an advocacy program. Yeah, for sure. So I think that it's all about the intention, right? If, 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 that is, that's the reason I usually try to separate what is customer advocacy and what is the program, right? You can have mm. customer advocacy practices at your company, right? Uh, one of the first things that when we are talking to customers that wants to implement a program, one of the first things we explore are those customer advocacy practices. All of any company is doing that. If today you are spending, you know, to purchase a bottle of wine, you know, to mm. reward a customer that you like, of course, depending on the country, that's not something you should do. It's not going to be welcome, but not compliant, maybe. But yeah. depending on the country, that would be necessary, right? So let's let's keep using this uh, bottle of wine example. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a customer advocacy practice, right? That's a low-hanging fruit. You can get, I mean, you, you probably have ambassador programs, like loyalty programs, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you can have uh, customer advisory boards, maybe that's running already by the product teams. Maybe you have enterprise voice of the customer for different things. So one of the, one of the nice things to do when you're starting a program is recognizing those practices because you're going to probably start with that. Mm-hmm. You just need uh, to encapsulate, right, into your program and give it same, you know, experience for those that are navigating through those practices and you're starting to have a program. And then, of course, when you have this standardization of the process, you can start measuring that as well. Right, operational health metrics, mm-hmm. strategic metrics. I, I'm. That's another topic, of course. But, <laughs> um, yeah, it's a topic by itself, right? But um, this is um, this is one of the things that I like to say. So I agree with you as well. That's a great definition and a great add to the definition. Yeah, and and I like where you're going with that. That you know we have this ability to kind of almost we might already be running advocacy um, actions. You know, they may not be a program yet, but we might be taking actions that are going to help drive advocacy. Now, when, you know, when you're working with a group, you know, you know, maybe they're at that stage. They're, they are doing some kind things and they're, they're starting out. Um, what kind of programatized programization, <laughs> what kind of programs um, sure. would you yeah. kind of take someone into as their, their first step into advocacy as a, an intentional program? Intentional. Okay. That, that, that again, that depends a lot. Let's go back to the community, right? Because mm-hmm. maybe the community is what makes sense to your, your company. And there is, and it's a great initiative, right? Um, so, uh, but I think that it's, it's also some, the kind of initiative that it's hard to start. Usually if your company, if you have those two segments, SMB is important to you, but you also have the enterprise segment. I think personally, I've seen that it's a much better project to start, you know, as a pilot. Mm. I mean, in the, in the automation side and community sides, doing a pilot, it can cost millions of dollars, right? It's, uh, the community, when you start driving behavior of a community, we're talking about a community of a thousand people, right? Mm-hmm. To start really being able to, to have some movement and, and, but when you are talking about the managed advocate side, that's more B2B, right? Again, mm-hmm. enterprise segments, you can start small. You can start small and, uh, you can start doing, let's say, what's the classic, right? C2C calls, mm-hmm. how to promote one customer, get on the phone with another customer and recommend the product, right? And, um, also the events, right? The, the marketing teams, usually they are needing 
they need quotes, they need pictures, right. they need use case, right? They need, uh, they need speakers. So you start with that as well, providing the kind of speakers and uh, maybe the PR teams, they need customers as well, right? right. So you try to do co-PR. The, the other thing that's very important that many pilots are not including, and that's something that I, I, I always think that why not, right? It's the recognition activities. Sometimes that's a common error that I see on those pilots is that when they are starting uh, their customer advocacy programs, they think of all these call that I that I call advocacy activities like the C2C call mm-hmm. that I mentioned, right? Speaker for events, but they forget to include the other things, which is the the give me a second. The recognition activity, sorry, just yeah. an interruption. Yeah. Uh, they, re- they, 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 they keep forgetting about the recognition activities that will, you know, be together with the advocacy activities. And then you are forging an advocate, right? Um, mm. that bottle of wine that I just mentioned is one example of that. Another example is courses, right? Training, the certification. Some tech companies that we, we work with, they have these official certification programs and sometimes they give away, right? Uh, so, courses and why not to think on those customers that you are trying to forge us as advocates, right? And maybe uh, giving a course, a training uh, is one of the recognition activities. So you get both and you start selecting your, 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 your potential advocates, right? That you want to work with. Mm-hmm. And then you have a pilot. You know, of course, I'm not talking about MarTech. I'm not talking about the, the platforms, but in, See, in a nutshell, let's say. Yeah, Pablo, it, you're, you're speaking my language there because, you know, I think that this pilot idea is is often, especially in tech, can get overlooked a little bit where we want to start with the tool. We want to start with a platform and, a, and we want to start with technology. And and really, uh, you know, at Sasquatch, we, we build a, a platform that helps automate large parts of, uh, you know, all sorts of different product-led growth programs. But But, you know, there's that part where you go, like, you can start without the software. You can start with a pilot program that's going to be managed by some totally. people. You're going to do some reach out. You're going to see how it works. And when you get to a point that you've proven you're you're ready, you know, let's take a look at the automation. And and I think um, that kind of leads me to a question, which is, you know, you start the pilot program and we're, we're starting to get some engagement. But, you know, if I'm a company and I've got you know, a B2B company, you know, is there a number of customers I need to have um, before I start this advocate program? Like, like what is the right size that I should oh. go after this? That's a good question. Um, you know, there is, um, there's a trap. This, this question also can be a trap because I've seen with the companies that we've been talking and discussing the market, I've, been, I've seen a magic number of 30%, 35% okay. of your customer, your customer base should be your advocate. Okay. And I always think, why is that, right? <laughs> Why is that? Yeah. that? That's a number yeah. that is, you know, if, if you, if you think of those big programs and do maybe an average, I've seen those big companies. Um, and I would, I would, I would maybe reach that 35%. You know what I mean? I would, mm-hmm. I, would I would get to that number and probably understand why we, we hear these numbers as a standard, let's say for advocacy, but that's not true in my opinion. You don't need that to start, you know, it's, it's all based on, ROI, right? Uh, as soon as you are reaching your ROI, it doesn't matter if you have 10 customers. With 10 customers, you can start a program. You know, maybe, um, it's, of course, you cannot start a community with 10 customers. That's not, that's sure. not possible, but, but you can definitely have a pilot with managed advocates and, um, 
that kind of approach that's more proactive, you know, not instead of transactional, they want that you will act as a success manager much, much and much less as a, you know, back office kind of, uh, you know, program. And we will go ahead and put together in a plan those recognition activities and those advocacy activities and say, okay, with this customer, we agree and shake hands that we'll do, you know, three calls throughout the year. We're going to do co-PR. In September, this, you are purchasing a new product that we're launching and we're going to do an event with you. Are you okay, advocate? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you shake hands and then the other side, you have the recognition activities, right? A hand letter, a, hand, a handwritten letter from the CEO. You're going to send more or less in May, right? That bottle mm-hmm. of wine, if it applies. Yeah. Trainings. And we can, we should never forget that an advocate is formed, right? You need to forge, form, whatever is the word you prefer, yeah. and advocate. They will not, sometimes you do that just naturally and unintentionally. And it happens because maybe you have a great product, right? That, that guy, that, 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 that customer had a great experience with you and they are willing to spread. They are doing that, right? Just like right. us as consumers, we do all the time. You purchase great products, right? Doesn't matter what. And you're recommending, recommending it to your family and friends. They want to do the same. They want to talk about your product, but unfortunately, the reality is that the best is to plan for that and do it. Mm systematically and intentionally. And then you're talking about a problem, right? But you can do that with 10 customers and, uh, and, and, and manage that. So that's what I call the managed advocates and that yeah. you can start small. And there is a reason for that. I wanted to say, just say that before I change the question, it, which is, it's very important in the beginning. Why you have a pilot? Why not to just, okay, spend, you know, 200, $200 million and have a full <laughs> communities and managed advocates and let's bring, you know, 40 people to why not to do that? Because it's, it's not an easy task, right? First of all, it's not easy. Sometimes right. it's an interdisciplinary by nature. You need to go beyond your silos, right? You need to go to sales, marketing, customer success, sometimes customer experience. Then you are realizing the full value. If you're spending that money without doing that, that's probably money spent, you know, badly spent, let's say. But then when you start small, you can build that value and get your stakeholders buying, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to get small. You start with one product. Maybe you have that VP of that product that you be your advocate of the program, right? You can start changing big, big process inside that company for that VP, right? You get your, basically your partners inside and then you spread slowly across, you know, the organization, what makes sense. So as long as you have an ROI, the number of advocates, really doesn't matter. Yeah. And I, I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> okay. And the one last thing about this 35%, there is one thing that you could get that's very good. It's one of the promises of customer advocacy, right? You have many promises. One of them is for sure customer retention. Mm-hmm. You have um, pipeline, right? Better in, in a better conversion rate. You have, uh, but you, you have integrated ROI, right? That bar of wine that you'd send to a customer giveaway how mm-hmm. can you see the ROI of that outside of a program? It's impossible, right? But at the moment that you say, no, no, this is a bottle of wine in May for this customer that will do all these activities related right. to all these pipelines. Then that bottle of wine has an ROI that's clear. So that's second promise, right, of customer advocacy. And the third pro- promise, main promises I'm talking about is customer retention. The moment that you have only promoters, um, those promoters, um, could be, you know, stolen by the competitors. You know, I mean, okay, I'm happy with this, 
but I'm just, I'm only happy. You know, if someone is offering something better, maybe I will go. But if I'm happy, but I'm also learning how to position, you know, how to position that product, how to, you know, I'm stepping on stage to talk about that program. I'm starting to be a professional branded, you know, with that a product, then man, that's going to be very, very difficult, you know, to jump ship, to be stolen. Because the moment that the competitor comes to me and I will, I will ask all the questions that I value already, right? The company taught me. That's the reason I'm saying advocate, advocates are formed. Right. Right. And, and, I, and I like the way you're, you're talking about that. You know, I think this, this idea about, you know, forming that advocate, right? Recognizing mm -hmm. the ROI. Cause I think a lot of times the ROI can be, um, can be tricky for some people to understand. Um, and, and I do totally appreciate the idea that, you know, we start the pilot, that pilot's going to let us, you know, prove out some of these activities. But then when we track that programmatically, um, I, through a program, not necessarily technically speaking, but through a program, we are, are able to attribute that to many different, uh, outcomes, right? That, that, that may come from that many different sales calls and things, which I, which I think is really the goal of, of advocacy. I think that there's this kind of interesting question though that comes, which is where we say, you know, happy customer versus advocate, right? And, and this idea of an advocate, I think to some is, you know, Oh yeah, we'll turn everyone into advocates and to others is a, we don't have any advocates. How do I, you know, how would I even create an advocate? But I think the question I kind of look at is like, is there a bar that you say like, well, this person's an advocate and this person's, you know, just a, a you know, yeah. a happy customer? Yeah, sure. So that, that that's maybe a continuation of our speaking, right? Just recently um, the, about the, this third uh, promise of marketing. And that's the reason the 35% the is good. It's not bad because mm. you are, you are shielding a third of your customers, right? Against the competitors. So you, you choose wisely. If you are in an industry that's very, you know, let's say hot. I mean, mm. you know, lots of competitors doing great things. And so maybe that's a great way to shield your customers because if, if they are just acquiring and then you forget about them, you're not forging them as advocates, right? And they could jump ship like, easily and you don't want that in that industry so that depends a lot if if your industry is like that maybe that 35 percent is going to be financially very interesting for your company mm. but now about who is an advocate because that's completely related to this that i'm saying an advocate for me to me i mean it's not only a happy customer right it's someone that also use their time their own time uh to, to promote your product let's say right. Uh, some, some programs and some, you know, pro frameworks for advocacy programs, they call it high touch and low touch kind of activities, right? The low touch activities are those that are not using the advocate's time, like, you know, list of customer story that maybe your sales team needs and you mm -hmm. as a program, you're providing the, you know, assets basically, right? Produce the assets. But those that, you know, when they were re requesting RFPs, like I, I, I they want a, 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 a uh, uh, um, a customer that accepts to be in RFP and answer question if it comes to the moment that, mm. you know, they, they progress in that RFP or a C2C call, a customer to customer call. Uh, we are using the advocate stand. So for, to me, um, I always in the problems that we are dealing with, I always, uh, uh split, you know, okay. Those are the, the, the population of customers mm. that, um, we have a certain amount of customers that accepted to be part of your program. And some 
companies are calling those advocates directly. Okay. Right. You know, last year we recruited that customer. They are advocates. For me, it's not true. You know, you can't, you cannot know. Maybe just after a month later, yeah, after you recruited them, they became yeah. mad of, with your company. They're not satisfied anymore with your product. And, uh, how do you know, right? The only way you can really know because the, the, the net promoter scores, right? The, it, it will not tell you. That they maybe they will say, okay, right now, just to give an example as a consumer, right now, I'm okay with my bank. I will not say the name, but I'm I'm okay. I don't have any complaints. I don't have any cases open with customer, you know, experience. Yeah. But ask me if I'm going to recommend that publicly. No, yeah. no way. Yeah. You know, it's like uh, uh, that because I'm I'm probably a promoter for for the you know for the net promoter score for them, but I'm not an advocate. So knowing that is when you actually do an activity, you know, with them. And that's also the reason it's important to have this balance between uh, the managed and the communities or the, you know, the automations, because that way you can also prove, okay, I'm offering an activity to this, to this advocate, right? And I offered already three or four times in a row and they are say, keep saying, no, there is a problem here, you know? Right. There's a problem here. And that's the kind of problem you go and check. Okay. Customer experience. Do they have any problems here? You know, what's about, what about the product? Are they consuming less or more? Maybe not. Maybe it's just the same, but you as a customer advocacy program, you have an information that's very important. They are okay, but they don't want to be public, you know, and say something on behalf. Maybe it's, uh, it's, it's just about. Uh, internal policies of the company. And that's important for a program to, of course, recognize that and mark mm -hmm. that. So, um, but if it's not, it's a problem that you have in your hands and what you do next, right? That's one of the reasons that we, that's not the subject. We have so many things to talk. We need to talk again, <laughs> maybe in the future. Absolutely. But one of the things is the feedback loop, of course, right? So you, you, you connect with different departments and you can have, um, you know, a plan. It's just like an advocacy plan, but to recover a customer, right? You have a, Activities that are a little bit different, um, and um, and yes, I think that uh, to go to the, to the point is an advocate is that customer that said yes in a recent time, and what how how recent uh, that depends on the company that 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 really depends on the company. I I've been working with companies that would you know select the six months and say okay if the last six the past six months there is no activity. This guy is churning. So you mm. start to develop a churn kind of model, you know, of your advocates and you start downgrading them to promoters and just say, okay, right. those are a happy customer for sure, but not advocates. And, um, and then you have a question. Should I invest more? The, the reason I'm not, you know, increasing my number of advocates, it's because, um, sales teams, the sales and marketing teams are not coming to this program and ask me, right? For mm. advocates or it's, um, you know, oh, it's because really they are saying no systematically to us. Maybe you have a problem. And that was one of the cases at some point with one of the customers that we had mm -hmm. that they were having a problem, like a global problem, you know, with performance issues with, with one of specific product. And it was very hard. The other one mm -hmm. was, uh, in very, you know, localized in the U.S. healthcare industry. Yeah. Uh, they were, it was, impossible to find advocates to say yes i mean i'm talking about advocates that's, that they were recruited already right right but also customers that were using the product apparently they were happy and we would try to recruit and and offer advocacy activity at the same time and no way so you as customer advocacy you have these you know you have to fix that you know i, I like the way you kind of breaking it up we've got our promoters we've kind of got our low touch advocates 
We've got our kind of high touch advocates. Um, and then we got to recognize that, that people can come and go from those stages, right? That, that maybe someone was willing to do a talk last week and this week something's happened and they're not willing to have a talk. And I think something that we're kind of talking around here a lot, which is I think really important is, is really the importance of these programs to be interconnected with, interconnected with many departments, uh, inside of the company, right? Like a standalone advocacy program just doesn't really make sense. You know, like you were mentioning, obviously the advocacy activities or the advocacy outcomes, you know, those willing to speak at events and things like that are going to be valuable to the marketing and sales team. And then we're going to have, you know, when we need to develop advocates or discover advocates, we're going to interact with the success team where, you know, we might even interact with the success team as using advocate information as a signal on their churn predictors, things like that. But I think that that interconnectedness, um, is, is really sounds like it's an essential part of these programs in your experience. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, as we were saying, um, there is a unique kind of information that customer experience right now doesn't know about me in my bank, right? Relationship. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. if they had a, a customer advocacy program, let's say they would know because I would say no. Right. So that's say, and, and, and this is coming because of, um, it's an interdisciplinary, right? Area of knowledge, right? Mm. Customer advocacy by nature. And, um, for the executives and managers, it's very hard to go beyond silos, right? And just see what, what, what else exists there. No, it's someone else's problem, right? But in the customer advocacy, as you said, it's, it's cross department. So to start a pilot again, because of these, this can, this can get, um, you know, tricky, let's say, and, and hard to execute in a company. Uh, mainly, even even especially if it's a big enterprise, but uh, when you're starting a pilot, that's the reason it's important to start small, right? Mm -hmm. So you are building those relationships internally and integrating. And I would say that at you need a phased like maturity model roadmap, right? right. That will include different uh, services that you give to your internal customers and to your advocates in terms of experience. And, uh, and then you can work on that like slowly on the time, always chasing an ROI, right? Always showing how things are improving. And, uh, I would say that at the end of the day, you should have at least, uh, conversations with customer experience, mm -hmm. marketing, sales, and, and, uh, customer success units if you have like yeah. success managers. If you are talking with all those guys, of course, when I'm talking about sales, I'm talking about pre-sales as well. If you're depending on your product, maybe it's based on post-sales and con drive consumption of something. So they purchase now something and you are getting value if they are using that. So you include those teams as well. And then if you're touching all these, you're probably doing in the right direction. Yeah. And, you know, I think one of the things you said in there that I was just kind of maybe a, a passing comment, but I think is really important as well is, you know, the value of a no, you know, by offering people advocacy activities and encouraging them to join the programs and having them say no, it's actually a really important piece of data for the business to recognize how many people aren't willing to advocate on their behalf. Now, obviously, it's just kind of the inverse of those who are willing to uh, advocate on their behalf. It's just, you know, the opposite. But I think that's a really interesting signal. You know, if, if someone's unwilling to advocate for you, that's a signal that that those other departments can use 
Um, and, and like you said, you've got to mark like, hey, it's just a company policy. Like anytime they say anything, it takes 400 lawyers to approve it. So it's not really going to happen. Um, but, you know, that information is really, really valuable, I think. Um, you know, when we're looking at these kind of advocacy interactions, you know, we're talking about the lower touch and the higher touch actions. Um, and you're talking about kind of building out this plan, right? This, this, maybe this longer term advocacy plan. Um, you know, are, are there specific models or specific types of advocacy, um, actions that you think are better or worse than others? Or, or what's, what's kind of your view on that? Yeah, I, I think that first of all, having this kind of plan is important, right? I, I would say that most of the programs out there, they don't have that yet, right? That's what, mm. when I was talking to Zoe the other day, right? We were talking about, uh, proactive model versus a transactional model, mm. right? A model. The transactional model is usually when you are acting as this back office, right? You have people that are just waiting, you know, to receive requests. And as soon as they get, okay, you have sales team, sales, you know, Peter, uh, uh, re requesting, you know, Monica advocate or advocate with its specific characteristics. And, uh, and that's it. Look for it, please. And give me, you know, or some, someone mm -hmm. similar. That's the transactional, right? The, 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 there is a huge problem when you have just that model, uh, which is the, the first, the, the main problem I see is that, that, you know, talking about that 35%. So let's say that you are aiming for this 30, 35% of penetration in your customer base, uh, for advocates, right? In your customer base. And for what? Mm. To let, to leave them unused, right? Maybe, uh, <laughs> with the transactional mode, what happens? What I would say 90% of the programs out there, they have this problem. Uh, almost 100% of the programs out there is, okay, mm -hmm. I recruit a lot of customers, but they are unused, right? I, I mean, recruiting, and then they spend like a year without using them. You know, maybe they will never hear from, from us again. They, and I'm talking also about the publicity agreements, right? Sometimes you get into yeah. an advocacy program with, through a publicity agreement, and then nothing happens. When, when you have a plan, so my first answer to that is having a plan is good enough. You know, if you're thinking that way, <laughs> You are already, in my opinion, direct, in a good direction, at least, right? Yeah. So a plan, you cannot do, it's much more expensive. Of course, it's much cheaper to just say, hey, please come request, you know, uh, uh, sales and marketing request more. And I just add people to a, in a back office and then we receive the requests. The problem that doesn't work that well, unfortunately, those two tabs that you need to open, right? The number of requests and the advocates that you have, they are never going to be synchronized. <laughs> and one of the things that you have to do to have it adjust a little bit, two things you, 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 in my opinion, you can do in this first one is have a plan, a customer, a success plan for those advocates, right? Um, meaning that it's really, uh, I, of course, this is a database, but just to give you, you know, a, uh, picture of that. It's a piece of paper that says customer name, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it's in the, the dates and the, the advocacy activities that you run with that. And then the recognition activities. That sounds easy, but to have, to have the recognition activities in that upfront, it means that yeah. you, you needed to shake hands, let's say with that owner of the bottle of wine, right? You need to go there to that PR person and say, Hey, you will need, you know, uh, when, when's the moment? Okay. There is a product launching, launching in September and I will need PR. So can right. you give me someone? So you, you have to plan that up front and that's a lot of work, right? And the kind of advocacy manager that you need is also different of a back office person, right? To do this kind of agreement, go and plan something. And, um, but having that is a very good idea, mainly. 
if you're talking about with you know your best customers basically you know your, yeah. your rock stars but then the second thing to also uh give a little bit of proactivity and, and solve this problem that 100 percent of the programs out there they have uh, of unused advocates in the database untouched advocates is to doing proactive outreaches right that's all we we call our wings for you it's when you are scanning the the pipeline of your crm and you see those opportunities between, let's say, 40% and 60%. Of course, that will different sales process will make sense, different things. But on the beginning, you go and offer, let's say, the, those assets. And then when it's you know 50%, you go back to those guys. And 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 that can be automated easily. You don't need even a software for that. Some software will do that automatically for you. That's great. But you don't need that for your pilot. And I mm. I, I think that all of the pilots should be doing that as well. You can just go. You know, export that from the CRM. You're gonna see, you're gonna get an Excel with a bunch of you know opportunity owners with the mail address of those sellers and the customers, industry, product they are trying to sell. And what you do, you try to match that and and send them an email, a mail merge, you know, Outlook, right. Excel, Word, uh, yeah. saying, "Hey, this is you know Pablo. I'm advocacy manager, and I have a." advocates that could accelerate your deal you know are you are you interested in you know promoting a c2c call with your prospect and right. about in my experience from 15 to 20 percent they will reply to you saying yes i didn't even know that you existed great <laughs> so you know and you start working and you have someone that you probably request request again organically later right right so those two things i think it's very important you know so you offer your advocates proactively. You don't wait for someone. So you see what you have in your in, in your supply and you try to sell it. Who is your yeah. customer? Is your seller, right? Your internal customer is your seller. And you try to offer them those great advocates that you have and put them to work. That way, you are using your advocates, right? Your promoters, and you are transforming them into advocates. And the planned advocacy plan, when you have the recognition activities, that's the moment that you are really on game. If you do that... You are talking about customer advocacy. If you're not doing that, you're talking about probably a reference program, right? Right. Because advocates are forged again, right? And you yeah. forge that way. You know, that's that's a really, really important delineation you're touching on there. Um, I think that I, I the majority of programs that I have seen, I would argue, are are much more in this transactional model. Like you said, that they're yeah. they're waiting for people to be requested. Okay. You know, they they may occasionally ask for you know a testimonial or or a reference, but but it does feel much more like they're building a reference program. Um, and this idea that that you're talking about, I don't I don't hear a lot of people talking about how they're proactively reaching out to their you know PR team or their sales team, their marketing team, whatever it might be, even their success team potentially to say, hey, I have an advocate um, that I think could help you. That I think is a very next level, um, you know, deployment of an advocacy program where you're literally, as you said, you've got an asset, you've got a resource, an advocate, and you think that they could help in this sales process and you volunteer them to that process. Yeah. Um, that, that to me sounds like kind of a, a very, a very strong bar that people should be striving for, uh, but also a really effective uh, program. Yeah. Totally. I, I completely agree. And at some point, what I envision that will happen, customer advocacy is something that is incipient, incipient right now, right? People are starting to talk about that. Mm -hmm. the, we see an increasing interest, but it's not easy to deploy, you know, have a, you know, that's, that's, as, again, you need to go beyond your silos, right? Although, and right. so when they see that barrier, it's already 
you know, maybe sometimes it's, it's hard just to just move forward. And they don't have these also experience, right? There are a lot of people in the market that we just talk about phased ways of implementation. But in the future, I see that most companies will drive their businesses and all the, the marketing budget and budgets that are invested to customer are going to be centralized through a customer advocacy program. So again, you have budgets for customer, right? Trainings. What's the department? Right. It could be any department, right? Sometimes it's right. operations, sometimes it's specific training department. They have budget for customer. Hey, let's try to do that through an advocacy program because otherwise you just give away random things. Right. But when you have a plan for each customer, you know yeah. how much you're investing and how much you're getting back, back to that, right? So from that. And there, there's another thing that's very important as well that we didn't talk, I'd like just to finish, um, mm. about the types of advocates. You're going to... Also talk, uh, uh, you also have one thing that's called a quasi advocate. A quasi advocate is someone, right, that you invested. Mm -hmm. They, they are doing, you know, promoting your product publicly for you mm -hmm. and recently. <laughs> so an advocate yeah. and they left the company, right? They were working, wow. let's say, for Volkswagen, whatever is the company. Now they go to Ford. Um, that's not a good example. Anyways, <laughs> uh, you know, you, you leave the company and go to a different company. You don't have that product anymore. So how come you can be an advocate without using the product? You're not using it anymore, right? right? You, you know, even though, uh, we could try to use that, that guy because it's a former use of your product. That's not the same, right? right? You want people with the company name behind saying we are using, I am using and the company behind me is using your product. So identifying those guys, those quasi-advocates, we invest a lot of those customers, but you don't lose them. You know, you need to identify those guys and give to the sales team again. You know, scanning the pipeline, again, semi-automated, you can do that. If you don't have a software platform to do that, you can sure. do that anyway. It's, it's easy. It's not difficult. You know, you check those guys and, um, and see if there's any deal with that company that your quasi-advocate is working right now. And you just go to the sales team and say, hey, we have a great guy. Bring that guy to the sales table. Right? That's going to right. be at least an uh, influencer that will you know, help you sell to that customer. So it's almost uh, for, uh, uh, you know, uh, it's, uh, it's our, it's one of the goals that we should have in mind as, you know, uh, man uh, managers of customer advocacy. Be sure that we are identifying those quasi-advocates and converting them back into advocates. That way you are also selling more again, right? Uh, you're helping mm -hmm. the sales team. And some softwares are doing that already for you, but, you know, right. integration with sales navigator, LinkedIn. So you see former advocates change. There are, but you can do that manually easily, I would say. Mainly mm -hmm. again, if you are doing the managed, but if your whole structure is all set up for back office, transactional, you are going to lose all of that. You're not even talking about those great things that you know, you could realize as a program. Yeah. Uh, I've got one more question on my side here that, that you mentioned early yeah. on, but I want to come back to this, um, sure. which is we are talking about companies that have a global footprint. They're, they're trying to develop advocates around the world. And yep. to me, I, a lot of the companies I talk to are struggling to do this in one country, um, let alone in a diverse range of countries with diverse languages and cultural norms and things like that. Um, any anything you're seeing that's really successful there, or any advice for someone who wants to expand there? Maybe their you know their FC program from a core market to to multiple other markets. Yeah, I think that's 
there is no magic in here, right? I would love to just tell you, okay, just do this. <laughs> and you get, you know, five new regions. Uh, no, unfortunately, you need uh, to plan that and, uh, you know, uh, have people that can speak those languages. If you are, let's say, talking about EMEA markets, they are they are really nice, you know, you know, very open to those kind of activities. They really mm-hmm. like to be invited, but you need people that will not speak only English, maybe, you know, mm-hmm. in, in a few markets, let's say. So having yeah. this kind of, um, uh, and that's one of the reasons I think it's very important to think on the managed kind of advocates, right? And so you can plan those things, but um, but it's definitely possible. We have a number of customers that are, are you know, uh, not only the customer advocacy, but in, uh, Wings for You. We have also mm-hmm. APAC, EMEA, you know, mm-hmm. um, in, like actually in all continents we have in regions, uh, evidence programs. That's That gets even trickier. How can you shoot a video right now in Kazakhstan? You know, uh, those are important yeah. markets for oil and gas. And you have that them yeah. as customers and you want to shoot a video there, local, you know, maybe you don't have offices, so um, that's possible. But again, that you know that that needs uh, good partners. That needs uh, that requires um, 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 in the plan, right? The other thing that's important to to do that is by outsourcing. You know, outsourcing um, uh, part of that team. If not the entire team, you can do that. And, mm-hmm. um, of course, you need to create email, email um, addresses of the company, right? If you are, uh, whatever is the company, you need to give all the, those outsourced uh, teams uh, also the email address. So the experience they have when they are talking to your customers are same experience that you'd give them with your FTEs employees, right? Only employees. And But yeah. that way, you can expand quicker. You can do some projects. You can say, I will explore a market and see if I can drive, you know, more sales through advocacy for the next six months. So again, you know, uh, planning and expanding and with good partners. That's the only way and, I would see. And, and you said six months there. Is, is six months long enough for, for a pilot, for someone to test this out and, and see on your experience? If you have already a pilot that's in the U.S. and it's extension sure. of a pilot, that's pos- that's possible. But six okay. months... Depending, that all depends on how engaged you are, right? As as an executive, right? If you right. if you if you as the owner of the program, if you are that kind of owner, right, that is working with an agency to implement that, not answering emails like actively or not, you know, seeking those kind of uh, agreements, or you're trying to do that without a process, right? Something to guide. It's just going to mm-hmm. be a little bit not well organized, let's say. And you can consume the six months and have nothing at the end. <laughs> but mm-hmm. with a good process, I think six months, you can definitely, you know, if, again, you need to tr- you need to hire people, right? W- one of the things that you're do- doing a pilot, maybe you don't have these people inside, right? Maybe your success managers are completely full already, cannot deliver the current things that they are doing. And uh, there is no one. So you need to, to, to hire someone. And let's, let's say that you go with an agency. So it's quicker to hire someone and, um, and okay, that's, that's, that's done. Then you need to train this person, right? If this person is not trained, depending on, uh, some, some, some agencies will give you trained people, some and certified people, some will not. Um, and, and then you need to start, of course, recruiting those customers, selecting, you know, and, and promoting the program internally. Mm-hmm. You need to translate your, all of the assets you have, you know, brochure, the internal maybe website, yeah. uh, you know, for the sellers in that area. You need to do a lot of things. So that depends a little bit. But in my experience, 
six months, you can do a lot of things. And, and, and depending on your engagement, you can definitely, it's possible to have a pilot and show the ROI, go to your stakeholder and say, hey, I have a great thing in my hands, you know, and like, and that's the way we scale this, you know, that's, yeah. that's, that's why you do a pilot, right? That's the reason. No. And I think that that makes a lot of sense. You know, we, uh, we have a pilot, we have a plan, we have some skilled people yeah. and we can get a lot done, uh, in a rather short period of time. Um, I like it. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much for all this wonderful uh, insight here today, Pablo. Uh, I've really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, we'll definitely be having a few more conversations. Uh, I think on some of the topics we uh, we just able to touch on slightly here today. Uh, but before we go, I just want to ask, um, where can people connect with you? Where can they learn more about Wings for You? Um, what's the best way to, to get a hold of you? Sure. Uh, first of all, of course, our website and wingsforyou.com. That's one of the sources. You know, contact us definitely. Uh, the, the team will get in touch with you in very short, uh, time. And, uh, if you want to connect with me, I'm, I'm open to for connections. Just go to linkedin.com slash in slash Pablo Fernandez BR. Fernandez with S. And, uh, I just accept that and we start engagement. Just ping me and we are happy. If you have a program, of course, if you have a pilot, if you want to start your own experience, uh, we are happy to, you know, uh, discuss that with you and see how we can we can help you succeed. Wonderful, and we'll we'll put that link into the show description as well for for people who are listening to this show. Um, Pablo, I just want to say thank you. This has been a really wonderful conversation. Really appreciate your time here, and, and I know our listeners did as well. So thank you very much. Thank you, Will. No, my pleasure. I'm looking forward for the next episode. Absolutely. Thank you. Talk to you. Bye. Thank you very much for tuning in to another episode of the Advocacy Channel. Hopefully you enjoyed today's show and learned something at the same time. If you like what you heard and would like to help support the show, we'd really appreciate it if you could please review, rate, or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to learn more about customer marketing, please take a look at some of our previous episodes or head on over to the Sasquatch blog. That's S-A-A-S-Q-U-A-T-C-H dot com forward slash blog. And if you're a tech company that's looking to build a rewards or advocacy program, please look at the Sasquatch platform. Sasquatch is uniquely built to power the complex customer journeys and business models associated with SaaS, telecom, fintech, and consumer apps. And that wraps up another great episode of the Advocacy Channel. We'll see you real soon.